Hello and welcome to NBA Unlocked. I am your host, the Big K himself, Karam Scott. Today's episode is more of a historical background to the evolution of the NBA. I had a lot of um, comments wanting me to discuss the evolution of the NBA and how different it was back then compared to how it is today. So I decided to make a podcast about this particular topic. What I'm going to talk about is specifically how the defense and offense of the game has changed throughout the decades, the evolution of the three-point line, changes in positions, and much more. Also, starting next week, I'm going to be starting a new segment before each episode. It's going to be brief. It's going to be called Ask or Pass. And basically, if you're a movie fan like myself and you don't want to spend 12 bucks to see a movie that's going to end up being fucking shitty, you can listen to this podcast. I'll give you a brief analysis about the movie that's coming out during that weekend. And you'll know either if it's a pass, meaning it was a good movie and highly recommended, or an ass of a movie, meaning don't waste your fucking money, you don't need to go watch it, because it's ass. That'll come next week. So, let's get to it. Let's start talking about the history of the NBA and its evolution. So, the NBA started its long history with eight teams. On June 6, 1946, the place where it was birthed is New York, which is the mecca of basketball. Originally, the game was created by James Naismith, the founder and the creator, the Canadian who moved to the United States in the mid-30s. The first year the NBA started was in 1947. So if we're going to look into the decade of 1947 to 1957, the league average in free throw attempts was 33, and the league average in points was 84. A good portion of the points during that time came from the free throw line. Back then, the three-point line was not considered part of the game. Blocks and steals were not being, I shouldn't say scored, but they were not being implemented in the game. They weren't being covered. And there was no way to determine whether or not a team was playing defense because there was no defensive rating to determine that. So it's very hard to know if the game back then, if defense at all was being played. What did the next decade bring about? Well, the 1958-1968 decade, showed a four-team expansion, boosting the teams from 8 to 12. That decade also brought an increase in free-throw attempts, an increase in total average league points. So, the decade of 1958 to 1968 showed an increase of three more free-throw attempts and a 20-point increase in the total league average for points, going up to 104. Which basically means because there are more teams, more talent, which obviously led to more scoring. So then, in the 1969 and 1979 season, was even more of an increase because from a total of 12 teams, there was now 10 more new teams coming into the league within that 10-year span, going from 12 to 22 in just 10 years. What this decade also brought was more emphasis in calling less free throws and focusing more on defense 
which became one of the earliest catalysts to the 90s defense. What I found specifically for the 1969-79 decade was that the average in free throw attempts went down to 29, 7 less from the previous decade, and the league average in points increased by only 4 points. So that means more shots coming in, contributing to an increase in points, but less was coming from the free throw line. But what's really interesting is, still, the three-point range was non-existent. It wasn't really until the 1980s where the league finally decided to implement the three-point line. This is also part of the evolution of the NBA. In this decade, not only that, but they also added five new teams into the league, increasing it from 22 to 27. What the 1980 to 1990 showed was that the average three-point attempt was four. So very few teams or players shot from the three-point line. It was such a new thing that it was hardly implemented in the game. It was an oddity that someone shot from the three-point line. But what's interesting is that the attempts from the free-throw line stayed the same at 29 from the previous decade, but the total league average in points increased only by one, boosting it up from 108 to 109. So what really changed everything was really the 1990s, starting specifically from 1991 all the way to 2001. It was really the era that emphasized defense. Averaging points league-wise went down drastically, and so did the free throw attempts. It was really the era of physicality which set up the next decade to be not as physical, but a physical era in of itself with a reduction of free throw attempts, but also a drastic increase in the three-point line. So in 1991, the league implemented the defensive ratings. Basically what defensive ratings means is that it measures the estimate points allowed within 100 possessions. During that era, the 1991 to 2001 decade, the defensive rating average league-wide was 102. What this also showed was that two new teams came into the league, boosting the league to 2019. Not only that, but from the previous decade, the average in three-point attempt was four, it now increased to 12. And where the free throw attempts back in the 80s was 29, went down to 23. Scoring-wise, the total average in league points went down to 100 from the previous decade, which was 109. So not only did free throw attempts decrease and the total points decreased, but three-point average increased. This trajectory lasted for the next decade or so. So from 2002 to 2012, the average three-point attempts increased to 16.5, free-throw attempts went down to 23, and the points, the total average points went down to 98, with a defensive rating of 106, which means basically a slighter worse defense compared to the 1990s. But again, the trajectory of an increase in three-pointers decrease of total league average in points and free throw attempts was happening. 
But something crazy was happening, also. Something changed when the 2012 season came into play, and what was different was, while the free throw attempts was decreasing, and the points in of itself was increasing, the defensive rating for the 2012-2019 was increasing drastically. The average three-point attempts league-wise went up to 23, seven attempt increase, with last year's average in three-point attempts was 32. What was interesting is that the free throw attempts were down to 22, but the league average in three-point attempts was contributing to a high percentage of where the total points were coming from. And again, the defensive rating had increased, meaning now, from 106 from the previous decade, it had went up to 112, meaning less defense was being played. So why the drastic change? Okay, it seems that there are so many fouls being called. I mean, we see it, we see the constant whistle blowing, but it really is at an all-time low. It's down to 22, the lowest it's ever been in any decade. So does this mean there is defense being played? Well, if that's the case, if there was defense being played, then the overall defensive rating should be lower. It should be within like the 106, 108 area. 112 means horrible defense. So no, the answer is no. No one's playing defense simply because the defensive ratings prove otherwise. So why the drastic change in the decrease in free throw attempts? Well, I'll get into that reason why after these brief messages from our sponsors. Got something to say? Anchor is the way. With Anchor, you can easily make a podcast and make it sound great with their free creation tools. Easy access from your phone or computer lets you edit or record anywhere. Your podcast will be sent to listening sites including Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast, among many more. You can also make money from your podcasts with no minimum listenership. Anchor, podcasting made simple. Would you like your business or website featured during a break? Email us at mbaunlocked24 at gmail.com. That's lowercase mbaunlocked, the number 24 at gmail.com. And now, here's your host, Karam Scoff. So the reason why is being players are either afraid of fouling because of how easy it is to foul someone, or they do not want to play defense. I like to think it's the first one. You see, the rapid emergence in the three-point line the era of positionless players, and lastly the protection of superstar players, has led to the change of how defense is being played. So what happened? Why such a drastic change in defense in the last 20 years? Did the game go back to its original roots of just being an offensive game with greater emphasis in three-point shooting? Or is there something really happening along the lines where the game is trajectorying in a way where players are now afraid to foul because of specific players' antics? And what I mean by that is that in the 80s, particularly in the 90s and early 20s, the term crying about fouls was really not an issue. It was basically non-existent. 
It wasn't really until the mid-2000s where the term diva players and crying fouls started to take route into the league. So what are these diva players, okay? So these diva players cried and complained for every foul call that came their way or even cried when they didn't get a foul, as if they were expected to be called for everything because they were a superstar, as if they were entitled to everything, kind of like how so many people hated the Chris Paul Clippers because they all complained and whined and bitched over every fucking call, even though they never won a thing. That's basically how it all started was in the mid-2000s where these specific type of superstar players were exhibiting these types of antics, which eventually it led to the flailing of arms and the exaggeration of facial expressions that usually came from the form of being in utter shock or having this crazy bewilderment look, and even at times throwing a fucking tantrum on the court because the call didn't come your way. Also, back then, specifically in the 90s and a bit of the late 80s, there was something called hard fouls, and these hard fouls were allowed. But those hard fouls, now considered, or will be considered, as flagrant fouls. Last but not least, the age of flopping has really taken over this league. So in reality, the league became easier to get fouls because anything you do could generate a foul. Flopping equal fouling. Bitching, whining, crying could lead to a foul going your way. Touching someone could lead to a foul, which is the reason why there are fewer foul calls in the last seven years compared to other decades because of the fear of fouling. And we can see this because of how players react when they are getting caught a foul. I didn't do this. Oh my god, I didn't do this. They're so shocked over being called a foul. So, the emphasis of playing defense really is a lost art in today's league. So why did this happen? How did this all come about? How did this drastic change start? Truthfully, in my honest opinion, I think there are really two instances that I can think of that led to this drastic change. Number one, I believe really the start of it stemmed from the infamous 2000 brawl, the Malice in the Palace. The biggest brawl to ever occur in the NBA or I believe in sports history. It all started with a common foul caused, caused by Ron Artest on Ben Wallace and Ben Wallace took exception to it and shoved Ron Artest. Some players tried to de-escalate the situation while others kept pushing each other. Steven Jackson and Ben Wallace kept going at it, talking shit, pushing other players. They didn't stop. Then a drunk fan decides to get himself involved, throw something at Ron Artest, and before we know it, the players are in the stands fighting other fans, fans fighting players, players fighting players. It was a big fucking nasty ordeal. But that brawl led to the question of what would be considered quote-unquote hard or a common foul. The league looked at it, saw what it was, and became more strict in officiating calls. In the 90s, that call that Ron Artest did to Ben Wallace would have been either a common foul or might have not even been called at all. Today, that specific type of foul could be considered either a common foul 
or maybe at most times, a flagrant foul because it was happening on the back of the head of the player. This led players to start flopping and exaggerating. Ben Wallace overly exaggerated that foul. If you go back and look at it, it was absolutely nothing. You have a guy who's 6'8", trying to block a guy from behind who's about who's 7 foot tall, and got him in the back of the head. Wasn't malicious, he went for the ball, and, and Ben Wallace took exception to it. So the league looked into it, and saw that, and players saw that, and it helped create a change in the way fouls were being called. This also led to protecting of superstars. The league was so afraid of the ongoing physicality that they needed to protect their product, their money-making players, the ones who were selling jerseys, the, the players who were selling the shoes, were the reason why the stadiums or the arenas were always full. So they had to clamp down on that physicality. And not only did they clamp down on the physicality of the game, they started to call fouls. Stupid fouls. Fouls that shouldn't even be called because they didn't want to escalate an ongoing fight, kind of like what happened in the 2004 Miles in the Palace. They did not want to have something like this happen. But this is where it really all changed was in 2006, the Nuggets and the Knicks had their own brawl, which got carried also into the stands, but it wasn't fans fighting players, it was the players fighting other players and it was getting carried over into the other team's bench. Carmelo Anthony ended up being suspended for 15 games, another foul call taken out of proportion, exaggerated, and made bigger than what it really was. So the 04-06 brawl really was the major catalyst that brought about the changes in physicality in the game. Changes to defense, increase in flopping, increase in complaining, increase of protecting superstar players. All that started happening right after the New York Denver Nuggets brawl. You can't be a successful company if your money-making product or your number one commodity or commodities is out of commission or constantly being injured, especially if the injury comes from physical play. This also opened more opportunities to shoot three-pointers. If you're scared to foul, you're sure as hell to be scared to foul a person from the three-point line. The league started to cater to younger generations as well. These younger players who wanted a faster-paced game. Young kids today see the NBA and it's all about scoring. What can I do in my offensive game to stand out amongst other players? Defense and physicality of the game of basketball, as I said before, is a lost art. All because of two infamous brawls spanning in one decade. Those two brawls haunt the NBA even today, and the league is scared of a repeat of the past. What also changed the game, not only defensively and physicality, as I said, the constant increase in three-point attempts. What really sparked this was Dirk Nowinski. You see, the seven-footer, the legend, the future Hall of Famer, shot three-pointers from half-court, from behind the line, from anywhere. It became so hard to guard a seven-footer who could shoot that way, which led to the developing of big men doing the same thing. The traditional big men 
of the 90s and 80s and 70s no longer played their backs to the rim. They now played outside of the perimeter. They shot jump shots. They, they're making three-pointers now. The game had changed drastically because of the defense. Less defense creates more opportunities for offense, which led to a greater increase to three-point attempts because you are afraid to guard a three-pointer. And not only that, we have to give credit to guys like Dirk Nowitzki who paved the way for big men to shoot three-pointers and change the game all around in terms of leading a league to a positionless league. We, we have to give credit to also the greatest three-pointers to ever live, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, and Steve Nash for their contribution to not only to the game, but to the three-point line. Without those three players, players like Steph Curry and James Harden would not be who they are today. We have a new era in which shooting guards playing like point guards, which we term as two guards. Small forwards playing like point guards is also something that was started by players like Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, and Scottie Pippen. The age of positionless basketball started, but I also think the reason why these positionless players took root it's because of the drastic change in defense and the increase in three-point attempts. But with also the increase of nutrition, medicine, and medical technology and the uniqueness of different players coming into the league from different regions of the world, it sparked a unique change and a rapid change in the way the game is being played today. Compared to other past eras, European influence is more rampant than ever before. The Eero Step, a prominent move used in the NBA, used to be a move that was only in Europe, but now it's a prominent move used in the NBA and used mostly by James Harden. The term Soft Europeans is now a word used in the past. Players like Dirk Nowinski, Paul and Marcus Gasol, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili all changed that narrative, which I also think that the transition of European players coming to the NBA also led to the change in defense because in Europe defense isn't really played that much over there it's more of an offensive game and I think the increase of Europeans helped lead the change to a lesser um, defensive game but who changed it the most who ch really changed European view and, and the three-point view Dirk Nowinski Dirk Nowinski really changed a lot especially how the game is today. Showing that European can not only be the number one option to a team in the NBA, but they can also lead said team to the finals, win the finals MVP, and, and be considered as a number one option. Europeans today in the league is far more than in previous decades, an increase of over 20% compared to last decade. Where the game is lacking defensively, and physically, it's sure as hell not lagging in terms of talent. For all the cons that the NBA has, there are surely a lot of pros. No sport has been as committed to change and willingness to evolve as the NBA has. It is a product that is constantly at work and trying to create the best product out there and the safest product for their athletes. Something you can't say about the NFL. For better or for worse, the NBA does what it can to bring the best content out there. And for that, 
you can't really ask for anything more. And with that said, this concludes our week's podcast. Peace, love, and Karam out. If you liked this podcast, please hit the subscribe, like, and share button. Like the music for this podcast, go to www.soundcloud.com slash msspears0688 and show your love for the creator.